Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. Well, joining us now, we have Matthew Dyer and Sandra Hilo of Zilliqa, the first public blockchain to implement sharding on its mainnet, alongside Ravi Kumar of Alexa Blockchain. Hi. Welcome Hi, to the LA Blockchain Summit Day 3. The uh, topic of this session is Zilika Blockchain Builder's Perspective. Hi, I am Ravi, co-founder of Alexa Blockchain, a blockchain media company. I have been into management consulting for the past 10 years, and now I am fully devoted at Alexa Blockchain documenting and analyzing all the important developments related to blockchain industry from new projects to use cases and uh, policy and regulation to adoption. But more importantly, today we have uh, two wonderful guests as our panelists representing an interesting blockchain project called Zilika. Uh, please welcome Matt and Sandra. Hi, everyone. Hey, Ravi. How are you? It's uh, great to have you here at LA Blockchain Summit, Matt and Sandra. Uh, where are you both based and what's your role in Jilika? Yeah, I think Matt maybe is having some technical difficulties difficulties to join, actually. So um, uh, do you want me to introduce him as well, or should we just wait until he comes back in and uh, do that? <laughs> I can start with myself. So, um, you know, as, as you said, my name's Sandra, and I, I head the Metaverse and the NFT department over at Zilika. And, you know, we have some really great in initiatives and innovations coming along into the market. Uh, where am I based? You know, in all honesty, I, with blockchain, I tend to, we're very decentralized as well. So I tend to move around a lot. Uh, currently, I'm actually in Jordan, Amman. Hello? Okay, as we met. So before... Uh, let uh, Matt join. Uh, I think Matt is in. Sorry, Wi-Fi issues. <laughs> yeah. So now, Matt, uh, please tell us something about your role at Gliga. Yeah, I'm Matt Dyer. I am. I'm head of sales and marketing. Head of sales and marketing. <laughs> for one year so yeah all good oh welcome again and let's jump right into it as there is so much our listeners want to know about it I'll, so let's start with creator economy uh sandra i'm curious to know what macro trends do you think have been getting traction in recent months Yeah, so, um, you know, it's, it's actually very interesting that you asked this question. And I think the best way to answer it is the, the space itself is innovating so quickly. Uh, you know, every, every couple of days, something new happens or every minute even. Um, so I guess some of the micro trends taking place now would definitely have to be DAOs. Um, you know, I, I definitely would say that they're the next best thing that we're moving into and that we should, you know, be out on the lookout for. And, um, Sorry, Ravi, did you say something? Because I'm I'm hearing feedback from you, but I'm not sure if you... <laughs> nice. Well, uh, tell us something about uh, XCAD. Just on that point, though, Sandra, do you think with DAOs, do you think there's going to be a time where people maybe work for three different companies and kind of work in that manner because they can work for the different DAOs? Or what do you think? Well, it's actually interesting because the thing with DAOs is they're eventually going to be implemented across many industries and a lot of ways of, of approach in regards to how people interact with businesses and with, you know, even voting later on, whether you're doing, um, you know, maybe in the area you live in, there could be a down the voting system and how it happens for, you know, electing mayors and so on and so forth for people in your community and in your country. So uh, can people work for different DAOs? I, I definitely can't see that happening because you can belong to more than one DAO. At the end of the day, it's a, you know, a, decentralized autonomous organization. You can do pretty much essentially what you want as long as you're coming from a good place and you know exactly what you're doing. There's nothing stopping you from belonging to two or three or even four. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think it's quite an interesting call. 
So to answer you, Ravi, just a bit about XCAD. XCAD network is, you know, a great case in point actually for the creator economy because it's all about, um, you know, we're actually very thrilled that they're building on Zilliqa following XCAD's successful token launch in May in 2021. Some of the biggest influencers in the world have been onboarded on the platform to tokenize and better, you know, monetize themselves and how they connect with their with their fans. So influencers, some of them like Mr. Beast, KSI. Emily Black, Millie T, Mr. Savage, Morgs, uh, you know, with massive subscribers attached to them. And obviously there's plenty more about to enter the roster who will be issuing their own fan tokens on XCAD. Also, I'd, I'd like to mention, you know, as part of the creator economy and our vision for NFTs and metaverse and digital assets is our partnership with Ninjas in Pajamas, which is another very big one for us where we're incentivizing gaming and fan engagement for esports industry who obviously has a very massive massive following actually today the ninjas in pajamas are in the majors in stockholm so you know for if they're watching this by any chance go ninjas that's for sure i think matt has got some problem uh let's continue uh it looks like uh, you are getting a diverse range of use cases from creator economy with the people building on Gilika. So Sandra, why do you think people are attracted to building on Zilliqa? Uh, you know, Zilliqa has actually a lot of time out. Uh, so Zilliqa actually has a lot of uh, a lot of appeal when it comes to why people should build on Zilliqa or why Zilliqa in, in essence of it. I can definitely answer it from my perspective, which is if we take a look at how we're focusing on the creator economy, NFTs and the metaverse in general, for us, the biggest the biggest barrier to entry is that what we're doing is we're trying to bridge the gap between the physical and digital and make sure that people who aren't crypto native are able to enter into the space without actually realizing that they're touching into the blockchain. So for us, the user journey and the user focus centric approach on UX UI has been very important in making sure that that barrier to entry doesn't seem very scary to them in the beginning, because as you know, we're lucky that we're in the space so we get to know it, but you have others who belong to the broader mainstream markets who still are not as familiar with uh, you know, what entering the blockchain is. And Zilliqa is really, really supporting that when it comes to the ease of access to our wallets, the, our user onboarding journeys through UX UI, our focus on bridging the gap between the physical and digital, our extremely massive ecosystem projects that are you know, growing at a very fast pace. And, you know, I do have to mention here Blocks, which is one of our ecosystem projects who actually was the first to implement blockchain into Minecraft. So obviously that helped in bridging that gap and allowing mainstream users into the blockchain to earn more rewards and capitalize on a play to earn kind of perspective. Uh, I guess, Matt, you know, you, you also seem to have uh, a lot to say on why Zilliqa. Well, hopefully my internet connection will stay up. Um, I think there's a, a different aspects to it. We're talking to a lot of organizations now. Recently, we did a deal with Ninjas in Pajamas, the esports franchise. And obviously, when talking to a layer one protocol, it makes it very easy to have a conversation with a customer and not actually have to focus on the technology. I guess the flexibility associated with a layer one allows you to essentially listen to the customer if blockchain does fit the kind of the, the problem statement that they have or the capability that they're looking for, the fact it's a layer one, Zilliqa enables that. So that's one. I guess. Okay, in the meantime, uh, <laughs> tell us something about your. Creators Fund. The Creator Fund, yeah. So the Creator Fund is actually uh, one of my favorite kind of visions that we're putting together and what we're doing. So the Creator Fund will be launching soon and it will actually focus on the invading the space and that's bringing on board entrepreneurs, startups, uh, you know, any visionary who has any idea and, and, and it's focused is also on connecting artists, collectors, and curators together. So the Creator Fund is a 10 million plus fund put together to innovate the space and focus mostly on how can we 
push for this innovation within, you know, the not only blockchain, but also when focusing on the creator economy. And now with the newly, uh, I guess you can say, appeal to everyone, the metaverse and NFTs in general. Uh, the the main focus that is happening right now with the creator fund is that we're bringing together, like I said, artists and collectors and curators. And this for us is important because we're bridging the gap again between the physical and digital. So we're attracting all mediums of artists onto our marketplace. And this will function essentially as as a hub for every single creative. And that's how we view the 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 creator fund being as a home for all and you know able to support when uh, when needed so you mentioned nfts and uh, certainly nfts are uh, on trend at the moment so sandra where do you think the market is headed and uh, what's it's uh, doing well and where are the current gaps if any you think you know i think it's important to understand nfts and put away all the all the hype and the the kind of uh, thoughts that we have towards them at the end of the day an nft will essentially become a digital asset that every industry and every individual will need to attach to a certain asset for them to either prove ownership provenance or you know um, authenticity so nfts definitely are going to play a very big part in shaping the future of how we are interacting not only with each other but in terms of items you know whether they're um you know as it is non-fungible or whether it's fungible but for example you know purchasing a car in the future uh that can come with an nft you know as a proof of ownership graduating that can be an nft so i definitely think nfts play a very important aspect into how the future of blockchain will be shaped and what the industries will eventually have to adapt to including into their strategies and how they actually position themselves in terms of ownership and and um you know again authenticity provenance and uh, authenticity and provenance actually leads into the a bit to the more artistry aspect of it i guess you can tell you know if you're a gallery owner or if you're an artist yourself you do want to make you, you do want to make use of the fact that you are able to apply an nft to your artwork and then have that as a certificate of authentication to your work saying it's 100% yours. So NFTs definitely play a very important part in the future for what we're doing um, or what everyone else is doing, really. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, um, talk about uh, eSports. It was great to see the partnership announced recently with the gaming legends ninjas in Paizamad. Uh, we have seen a few other crypto companies make similar sort of uh, announcements but uh, Matt, what was the motivation behind partnering with them in particular? Are you planning to do something unique? Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of um, crypto organizations do collaborations. I think it makes sense. The adjacency between esports and crypto and the demographic of the people who actually partake in, in esports and kind of watch it are very close to, to the crypto uh, massive. So it made a lot of sense for Zilliqa ourselves to kind of start to, I guess, talk to organizations in that space. I think critically for us, though, it wasn't really necessarily about the, the sponsorship aspect. Obviously, we're trying to drive awareness um, and get more eyes on Zilliqa. But it was really about is how can we drive um, user adoption, especially from an outside-in perspective, a lot of blockchains are focused really on the heavy tech servicing, I guess, the, the Degans who want to get access to the liquidity pools, to the kind of the high end yield. But we felt by working with an esports team, starting to enable, um, I guess, an NFT kind of landscape in the form of skins and other, I guess, objects that they're used to, to using. But converting that to an NFT and talking to the creator market, it made a lot of sense for us to start playing in that space. So from our perspective, we've got some quite cool innovation that we're going to be doing with Ninjas and Pajamas. I can't really talk about all of it just now, but it really isn't just about the sponsorship. It's about other aspects that we're going to be Okay. Do you want to add something over that? No, I think Matt said Sandra. it all. I'm, I'm 
And I think Matt said it all. I'm pretty sure he wanted to end with, you know, other aspects we're going to add to, you know, for us, this isn't just a partnership, it's a relationship that's growing and continuing to innovate the space. So, yeah. And I'm sure you finished off with me there, Sandra. <laughs> yeah. yeah so that, <laughs> that's, that's, I think the good thing about it as well is people need to think about it as in the, the number of views that we're getting. If you even look tonight, Ninjas in Pajamas are still playing at the moment. I think they're very close, again, a game against G2. But they've got over 16,000 people watching in a stadium um, in person, watching the match. And then on Twitch and everything else, they're probably streaming to about over a million people. So if you start to think about getting eyeballs on Zillica, eyeballs on crypto, we can certainly start to kind of get more. I think Matt wanted to finish off by saying get more people into blockchain. Uh, no problem. DeFi is all raised these days. And uh, what is the, can you tell me what is happening in the Jilika DeFi ecosystem and what is your approach to DeFi and its uh, place in the world? Um, all right. So in, in all honesty, Matt was the person who was meant to answer this question because this is one of his favorites to talk about. Yeah. But, you know, in, uh, DeFi for us is, is um, you know, obviously, okay, so if we look at our ecosystem report, Q3 highlights, you can definitely see that. Um, is Matt back? Oh, Matt, your favorite question about DeFi. Okay, so I don't know what you answered, but I think... Um, Obviously, the market is really hot for DeFi still, NFTs, DeFi, DAOs. From, I guess, a Zillica perspective, we have been prominent in that space as well. So if you look from a foundation layer, we've been doing a lot in, this, in the form of staking. So that was probably our first DAP and our, our most successful DAP. I think at the moment, we've probably got in total 36% of the circulating supply kind of sunk in different DeFi applications. So whether that's staking, whether that is in our DEX, ZillSwap, which is obviously starting to get some great traction. I think we had over 200 million total value locked at one stage in, the, in the, this year. We've recently kind of enabled a bridge. So we're starting to see assets coming over the bridge from Ethereum kind of wrapped to, to a Zill form, which is very good because it's starting to enable a kind of a, a tether stable coin. We're starting to see um, tokens like XCAD, who actually launched on DAOMaker, starting to come over the bridge. So you're starting to see um, more um, liquidity being brought onto our network. And then when you look at um, Pillar Protocol, which launched as well recently, which is a kind of a, a maker die type application, which uh, kind of allows collateralized loans for locking up Zill. You're starting to see an ecosystem that's really um, being built out and well thought through. And we're really excited or looking forward to seeing what the different um, developers out there are going to do in terms of building on our, um, on our blockchain. I think another interesting aspect is as well is around the, the stablecoin XSGD, which is a kind of Singapore dollar stablecoin equivalent. And then if, and if you look at stablecoin usage and performance outside of the kind of the, the US dollar variant, you find that the XSG stablecoin is the second most used um, stablecoin out there. So which runs both on um, Zillica and Ethereum, and which is, is really a kind of a, a big statement, I think. And if you look at the stats around that, the, the Zillica blockchain gets most um, activity from that stablecoin. So I think People who maybe haven't heard of Zillica or had a play with the kind of the, the DeFi applications that are there, I would suggest that in the moment they head over the bridge and have a look at the potential um, APYs that are available because they're quite um, juicy at the moment. And, um, and, and just to add to that as well is when you start to think about um, 
outside in adoption, which we're very keen on. If you look at Valkyrie, which obviously allows institutional investment, recently they enabled um, access to our um, staking capabilities. So these are institutional investors who want exposure to DeFi, um, enabling the, the Valkyrie um, DAP has enabled them access to that APY. So it's a strong statement that serious um, organizations are looking to build on, on Zillica. Ah, that's good. And uh, let's uh, talk something about Lunarcrus, uh, which is a recent project that has been getting a lot of hype. Uh, so Matt, tell us uh, more about this and uh, why the industry should care about Lunarcrus. Well, the guys at Luna Crush are brilliant. They're a great bunch of guys. I think they're doing a great thing for the cryptocurrency uh, movement in whole. They're really about being agnostic in terms of the coins that they look at um, and looking at what the social sentiment is, what all the influence are talking about, which potential coins are going to rally, which ones are maybe going to dip, which is obviously important. So if you're an investor and looking to front run the market, it probably makes sense to have a data point that allows you to kind of make some rational, if you could say rational investments in where you potentially buy a, a token. And even from an institutional perspective, as more of them come into the space, they're going to be looking at social sentiment, what the analytics around that. And the market leader in the space without doubt is Lunacrush. So recently, they launched um, a token themselves, which really was about empowering or giving back to their community, the people that are using their application and rewarding them in part for um, supporting their application. So not only can you get good insight in terms of which tokens are potentially going to kind of go up in price or go down in price, you can also earn um, money or tokens for that. Um, I think an important component behind that as well is if you think about it, um, they could have chosen any blockchain to build on. And I think the fact that they chose to work with Zillica um, was a strong statement because they understand that it's all about community, the power of the community. And the fact that they looked at Zillica, chose to chose us as the blockchain to build on. Um, was a really strong statement. So I do expect a lot more people to start um, interacting or getting a wallet on the on the Zillica blockchain now because to actually use their uh, mobile app or their web app, you actually need to download a Zillica wallet. Um, so we should start to see more and more users um, coming onto our chain. So I'd recommend anyone who is interested in understanding what's happening from a social perspective around different tokens, different chains, to check out the, the Luna Crush um, application. Uh, there is a uh, 26th climate change conference is underway in the UK at the moment, uh, talking about how the world addresses the global challenges we are seeing in the environment. So on a related note, crypto and NFT minting have received some negative press and what's Jilika take on this? Yeah, I think it's definitely a, a telling moment. I'm obviously, if you can tell from my accent, I'm from Scotland. So, yeah, it's been an interesting kind of week. I think every organization, whether you're in crypto or not in crypto, has got, I guess, an obligation to do things to kind of support the environment. It's obviously things are not in a great shape just now. But from Zillica's perspective, when we were founded, it was very much around building a blockchain that was environmentally friendly and for sure proof of stake um, and then obviously the proof of work element only kicks in for about one minute um, for every hour. So in terms of our efficiency um, quotient, we're very, we're very strong there. But to kind of layer onto that is we, we had a kind of an ambition to go carbon neutral or carbon ne negative by 2022 and a testament to the guys in, in the community, a specific chap called Cameron and kind of the guys that he works with, they had this ambition to essentially bring carbon credits onto the Zillica blockchain. So this, this is going to actually enable us to, I guess, offset our carbon fruit, footprint using carbon credits that have been brought 
onto our blockchain, which is a, a, an important point. If you think about organizations like NIP could be a good example or Lunar Crash or XCAD, where they've got run costs, they're driving uh, a CO2 level. How do they look to offset their carbon footprint? Well, they could quite easily start to kind of interact with our blockchain to offset the carbon footprint. So I think that's one aspect that I think is really powerful. But another aspect that probably links into this, and I got cut off, unfortunately, a bit early on, <laughs> one of the few times, is around why people sometimes, why people should build in Zillica. This, a lot of this comes back to one aspect is around the decentralization um, component. And Zillica is very much on this kind of journey to decentralize as, as much as we can. So if you think about the carbon credits example, great example where I don't know how much you know about carbon credits, but not all carbon credits are made the same. So whether you've got green ones, red ones, blue ones, they all have a different impact in terms of the carbon um, drawdown that they have. So what we're gonna do is to start to use the governance um, token as a mechanism for the community to dictate which carbon credits we have on chain. So I think for me, it's a good example of where a governance token can be used to kind of, I guess, give the community the voice and the choice in terms of which um, carbon credits they use. And then if they start to think longer terms about their family or their kids, the kids that they're gonna have and wh where the world's gonna be, I think it's an important thing to, to think about. So, yeah, I'm really excited about um, what we're going to be doing from a carbon um, credits perspective. We're going to be building out um, a, an alliance specifically around the green movement. So there's going to be a lot of kind of announcements and, and things coming in the next few months in that space. And that's good. And that's really interesting and creating something which is which really matters a lot and tell think, us something about yeah, just Zilica. one other thing just one other thing about that as well is i think when you talk about opportunities as well there's a, a real tangible market in the green space so if you think about it if you were i don't know a developer or you had designs to move into the in environmental space there could potentially be opportunity for arbitrage to build an application that potentially sits on top, leverages the carbon credits available, and you can start to drive business models that maybe interact with people outside of crypto. So again, when you start thinking about Zillica, this outside in adoption, what tools, what capabilities available for people to interact with, that to me is another great example of that. Ah, that's good. Uh... Tell us something about Zilica community. How strong is Zilica community and uh, how motivated you are? Go ahead, Sandra, let you take that one. <laughs> Look, I, I definitely no bias, not being biased here, but I definitely think Zilica has a very strong community. If you look at our ecosystem and the growth that it's had, and along with not only the, the ecosystem itself, but also as a community, we've grown at a rate where uh, the the any project that has launched on the Zilka ecosystem has been oversubscribed uh, through you know our Zilswap uh, launchpad, and just not the strength doesn't only lie in the fact that we support each other within the ecosystem. It's also the level of uh, motivation that they have and innovation that they keep bringing onto the ecosystem as well. I think um, you know if you were to look at other eco. It, Judging a community is, is a bit hard when you're comparing it to other other you know blockchains that exist because every community is happy with themselves and the, you know what they bring. But our community goes out of its way to always you know make sure that the adoption is happening from mainstream coming into our blockchain. They're letting people know they're starting initiatives. They're you know being devoted to bridging the word um, you know between blockchain to blockchain over why Zilica is is. A good, a good layer one kind of option for others to join, and you know they they definitely are very good. Uh, I mean, I I think they're a very good community, Matt. <laughs> no, I think they're a brilliant community. They're really passionate. They bring a lot to the table. Um, we've even got people doing I don't know productions, having hosting webinars. There's a whole lot going on that I guess is testament to why 
the likes of Luna Crush actually built on our, our blockchain because they knew that they could bootstrap their application because of the um, the positivity and the fact that applications that do launch on Zilliqa are genuinely very successful. So I think that's a strong statement. And I think with what we're doing with uh, Ninjas in Pajamas again is hopefully um, building or getting a new community to join that not necessarily is crypto native, but we can start to bring them into the fold. So yeah, I think um, Zilliqa has got a really strong community that will continue to grow. Oh, that's good to hear. And uh, blockchain or crypto, uh, not in technical terms, but for a person or a, um, a general community who has no idea about technical things, how would you describe Zilliqa in uh, simple words? What Jilika does for a person who has no idea about blockchain or a crypto? Yeah, I can probably answer that. Sorry, Matt, if you're about to jump in, but I can probably answer that just from my perspective through my conversations with bringing artists onto the Zilika blockchain. And one of the things that because of our vision of bridging that gap between the physical and digital, as I mentioned, we're looking at onboarding artists who have nothing to do with the digital landscape. You know, you can have a canvas, you can be a sculpture, you can whatever whatever medium you belong to a lot of the time the conversation has gone to education and onboarding them onto one what nfts are two what is crypto three how can you actually survive in this landscape because if we were to step back a little and take a look in time uh you know i maybe a couple people understand this but when the paypal first came out which is when you can have your credit card and then you tap and then you know that would be a transaction it took a while for people to get used to it. You know, not everyone understood how could you actually do that. And then there were all these theories that, you know, oh, you, they could steal your money that way. Anyways, the point I'm trying to get at is that any new approach that we take to bringing people who are outside of this ecosystem, we have to lead with education a lot. So whenever we're di I'm discussing Zilliqa, one of the highlights that I always like to mention is that for us, the barrier to entry is not that difficult because one, like I said, we're focusing a lot on the user journey and making sure that the UX UI implemented does not have a big barrier to, to, to entry. So your, your omni-channel experience will remain the same without you actually realizing that you're tapping into the blockchain. But of course, that will come in and be met by the fact that you do need a wallet for a transaction or to earn some crypto. But that, for my, from my perspective, can be the easiest part because, again, the community really does support with the education and Zilliqa itself supports with the education. We have websites such as learnblockchain.org, which are up there to guide people on how they can actually get into uh, crypto, get into Zilliqa and how they can survive in this world. Um, so, yeah, I think I think from my perspective, definitely one of the biggest discussions around Zilliqa always comes down to the simple things, which is the fact that for us, education plays a key point the easy access from a user-centric approach is another very big point for us. And the fact that we're also in the know of what key points we need to tap into to make sure that this transition is seamless makes it much easier for us. So um, that's definitely my answer for, for your question. But I think Matt will come at it from a different angle, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I don't think so, to be honest. I think it is very much about user-centric design. How can we build applications thinking about the user? I know there's obviously a lot of applications at the moment are very um, centered towards developers getting access to different, I don't know, even MetaMask or whatever it is. People still find it a challenge. So how can we build um, applications, interfaces that are easy to use? And what Sandra's building with their kind of new marketplace is, is testament to that. I think another important point, if you've not really interacted with the, the Zilliqa blockchain, the community, you know, the faces, we've obviously just um, announced the new CEO, Ben, who used to kind of head up or be part of the, the, the Brave leadership team. So if you think about Brave and what they've done, they've probably been the most successful um, crypto organization to uh, onboard users outside of the space with their kind of their, their browser, et cetera. So I think with his um, expertise and execution that he's had in the market that he played in previously, allied to obviously the people that have been brought into Zilliqa who come at it 
with a more user-centric um, approach, I do feel that we are going to drive down the barrier of entry for people to start to interact with the um, with the blockchain, and, and and that's got to be the hope for for everyone because we want for it to be a success. We need more people to kind of join and be part of the movement, and I think that's got to be a, a key component. And education, as Sandra says, is another area that's critically important. How do we educate people on the space? And I think. The likes of applications like what we're going to be doing with Ninjas in Pajamas, great example. What Sandra's doing, going to be onboarding, I guess, artists who potentially have never worked in the blockchain space is going to be make some big statements, I feel. Essentially, the scary part yeah. is the blockchain itself. You know, if we think of it that way, the interaction with the blockchain isn't the scary part. What's scary for a lot of people looking from an outside in is the fact that they don't understand the space yet properly and from what they've heard from the media or other you know channels is that you know oh this person invested this and lost this but there's actually a lot of beautiful things happening in ecosystems and a lot of innovation that's being pushed out there that's innovating a lot of industries in ways that in web 2 or traditional kind of markets weren't able to happen so um yeah i just wanted to add that part yeah. because blockchain itself isn't scary what's scary is the fact that yeah. that fear factor of not knowing exactly what it is you're doing or what you're entering into that might deter people um but you know yeah, I, think, uh, I i think that's a good point sandra just to jump in sorry to cut you off there i think there's an example whereby we tokenized um or fractional ownership of whiskey so i think that's a really good example whereby you essentially hide the blockchain layer. So obviously, if you look at blockchain lens there, it does the kind of the transactions and the settlements of the kind of fractional ownership of whiskey. And the person at the end of it really doesn't understand or know that blockchain was involved in that transaction. So when you start to talk about, I don't know, the likes of Stripe or Twilio, these kind of infrastructure layer applications that have done really well, all that is hidden from the end user, I don't know, Uber is probably run off Twilio. Nobody probably knows that, they don't care. The, the fact of the matter is they get value at the front end through the app. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to hide the blockchain as much as we possibly can, educate, make the experiences really um, easy and interesting. And I think we'll start to see a lot more success. Obviously. Uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Zilliqa's native token and uh, tell us what is the role of uh, Zilliqa's native token in the Zilliqa network? So just in terms of, I guess the token's there to pay the miners for kind of securing the network. It's used as a mechanism for staking. It's used as a mechanism for collateral. Um, it's used as a, a, a payment um, instrument as well. So there's a whole lot of um capability that kind of sits with it i think as well we've obviously got a governance token gzil which again is a fixed supply um that's going to be used to i guess on this talk of this kind of driving decentralization that is the token that is kind of used to decide on the, the direction of where the the protocol is going to go which i think is kind of really exciting. So it's kind of multifaceted in that. I think as a kind of a, a transaction fee cost, they're very low. So again, when you're thinking about organizations, you need to be really thinking about what is the um, OPEX cost for interacting with these dApps. I think you understand the, the, the low fees um, using Zilliqa's blockchain. So it's very easy for you to um, understand your operating costs whereas some other chains maybe where the, the gas fees are a bit higher you can run into uh, some challenges uffs is a great example of a company that were on another blockchain but moved to zillica because the the opex costs were were going through the roof and it was essentially going to put their put them out of business so i think that's a, a, an important um point to kind of mention about the, the zillica too i don't know sandra's anything else that you think i've missed no, I think I think you said exactly what should be said. It's just one thing that I think is good to highlight with this question is that if you look back at originally when crypto first came into space and how it started, 
there was that mentality that you had to become, uh, you had to be essentially a crypto holder, you know, so you held on to the tokens you invested in and then, you know, you waited to make your returns and more and, you know, obviously make uh, a lot of money that way. So now as more crypto is entering the space and more, you know, layer ones, layer two, so on and so forth, our narrative has become to shift from being a token holder to a token user. So we want people who hold Zill and GZill to essentially become a part of the ecosystem, to push for innovation, to you know vote through the governance um, when they hold GZill, to stake. You know, with Zillica, actually, you can get up to 14% returns on your staking, which I think is amazing. So you know, we we do want that narrative to be applied across our ecosystem and people entering it, which is you know don't come in holding Zilliqa and uh, expecting miracles to happen. No, come in, enjoy our ecosystem, make use of our low fees when it comes to minting, uh, you know, go have play a couple of play to earn games and enjoy some digital in-game assets. So definitely, I guess, you know, just adding on to what Matt said, for us, it's very important that people understand that you need to kind of slowly start shifting from being a holder to a user because these days of holding are long gone. Now you need to start implementing what you actually you know, have invested in and applying it to what's around you. So, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I, I personally believe that uh, market uh, token market value is not necessarily represent the actual value of the project or the potential of the project. Uh, so, and that's good. And yeah, yesterday I was uh, listening to a session at LA Blockchain Summit uh, focused on Dubai and uh, the message was from the uh, regulators there uh, that uh, they are looking to build partnerships and collaborations with uh, blockchain companies to go ahead with the blockchain and NFTs and metaverse. So there is the way uh, uh, we can flourish and uh, uh, build some big projects for uh, countries and regions and people. So uh, what are your plans in terms of uh, partnering with governments? Partnering with governments, sorry? That... Yeah. yeah, in I terms think, of huge cases. Yeah, I think if you look at, well, a good example for us, or a good reference point for us is if you look what we did with Xfers in, um, in Singapore, they've got a, uh, payments license in Singapore, Southeast Asia, and we're potentially going to be doing something in Indonesia as well. And if you think about what they had to go through from a regulation perspective, being the MAS sandbox, get through that, be regulated, use chain analysis to understand what's happening in terms of where the money's flowing. It's all about creating, um, I guess, applications that I guess governments can use that are regulatory compliant. And I think that's an, a, big, a big part, which is not going to go away. So even if you look at NFT marketplaces and kind of building them out, obviously there's, there's two trains of thought. Do you have a marketplace without KYC and AML and go fully kind of decentralized? Or is there kind of a middle ground whereby you need to have a mixture of both? And I think from our perspective, we've got, obviously got some NFT marketplaces within the community that are obviously totally decentralized, which I buy into. And I think when you talk about fractional ownership of NFTs to enable it for everyone to have access, I think that's really powerful. But then on the flip side, if you're kind of creating a marketplace, it's going to be about fine art and the ticket price might be quite high. The way the world is, there's going to have to be some regulation around that. So there probably needs to be a KYC element or aspect to that to make sure that you can actually enable these transactions and whether you're the seller or the buyer you know that from um, a regulatory perspective you're not going to get into trouble with government so i think zillica is very much about um from our perspective being on the side of regulation in terms of the zillica research and kind of the the applications that we will bring to market and on the same breath obviously supporting um this, the decentralized ethos. And I think you can have both aspects to that. I think in any business, people have got different opinions and it's just about seeing kind of what works for the kind of the market or the, the area that you're playing in. And that's interesting. And uh, 
one thing i wanted to ask you like if you talk about uh, countries like singapore or uh, uh, governments who are supportive to uh, decentralization or the blockchain systems and decentralized systems uh, defi uh, that's a, a good thing they uh, we, we can interact with them very easily but how are you are approaching to some regulators or governments who, which are conservative not so open and not so uh, listening and they are more sort of uh, um, restricting the uh, decentralization or defi systems so how are you going to approach them <laughs> i think from our perspective it's from us from a sales perspective it's probably a harder sale to kind of interact with those types of um, government organizations. That said, it still comes back to the education aspect. So we do speak to governments who are skeptical or have a lot of questions. So it is really about getting in front of them, explaining to them what blockchain is, how things are traceable, how, how you can be compliant from a KYC perspective, depending on what you're doing. And just essentially looking at the use case that they're trying to solve. Blockchain obviously doesn't fix everything, but if they've seen a specific area that they think could add value, I don't know, Africa or India is a good case in point where remittance is a massive challenge, isn't it? If you're sending money to Africa or India, the cost to use transfer-wise or these other ones is really quite high. So from a government perspective, have they got the ability maybe to kind of have a venture that enables them to enable a remittance type payment, take a small percentage, but give a lot back to their um, their citizens, etc. So I think there is opportunity, but again, it comes back to imparting the knowledge, the understanding that you have, and yeah, just trying to kind of shed light on kind of what we're doing. If you think about it, uh, there's been a lot of skeptics over the years, but in time, I think once they start reading, they start interacting they start to use the tokens they start to use the dapps you start to be, get a lot more believers so the the yeah, the, the yeah the luddites will come i think yeah i don't understand oh, yeah. anything to add to that no i think i think you said it all <laughs> and that's the uh, more of regulation now uh now let we have got a lot to talk but uh given the time we need to wrap it up so uh let's something talk about the uh, physical and virtual world seems like the boundaries between uh the physical and virtual worlds are certainly blurring uh where are we weighted with all this which trends will sustain themselves and grow and which ones will uh, fizzle out what do you think Sorry, can you can you repeat the question, please, Ravi? I, th I think the question is is what what is going to sustain? So, if you think I don't know, from my perspective, a Web two organization is going to survive, or are the Web three ones going to kind of take over the world? So, I, I guess that was to you, Sandra, in terms of the physical and the digital. What what is going to win through here? Oh, okay, yeah, no, that's uh, another very interesting question, Ravi. So I think I kind of touched point on that a bit slightly um, before when I mentioned on omnichannel approach for traditional businesses looking at going digital. So what will fizzle out is exactly what um, you know what 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 Matt just said, along with you know projects have what limited to to no utility or governance attached to them as well um, in terms of NFTs. I think. So the concept of the metaverse is that it's bringing these worlds together, right? So anyone can end up in a metaverse. It's going to be a layer of engagement that's always on 24-7. And brands, individuals, industries will have to adapt and, you know, involve in their strategy, their go-to market strategy, NFTs, metaverse, and what that entire what that entire approach will look like. So in regards to your question, bridging the essentially mean that something needs to fizzle out it just means that it will need to adapt and innovate at a very fast pace or will be left behind and the last thing you want to do is be left behind because you know i think we can take a lot of companies who didn't really keep up with the digital transformation that was happening back in web 2 and they kind of died out slowly they tried to re-enter the market 
and you know it, it just wasn't successful and i think we'll notice that this will happen a lot in this industry now where a lot of people who don't start including nfts don't start including an nft play don't start including DAOs, don't start including DeFi into their thinking and thought process will slowly start to fall behind and with the creator economy there's been a massive push on what an individual can bring to an ecosystem so the importance here lies on the self you as a person what do you do what do you add you as a brand what do you do what do you add what are your assets you know what utility are you adding to your assets what is the value in that is it scarce how can i claim ownership in both physical worlds and digital worlds so um to cut a long answer short the i don't think things will fizzle out i definitely think a lot of things will need to adapt very quickly and innovate or they will be left behind and then replaced 100% by something yeah. that is more fast to enter the market or take over a big market share. Um, yeah, and again, you know, to give, yeah. No, just to say, I think the key is that these organizations need to start giving back to the people that are taking part in their platform. So I guess yeah. Uber is another great example whereby potentially if there was a kind of these drivers had a token or they could have earned something as part of the kind of the business, it probably would have been a lot more successful. Obviously, it's had some success, but they don't make any money and they're obviously in a bit of trouble. So, yeah. again, it's these sorts of models whereby you're actually giving something back, like we see with Play to Earn, Watch to Earn with kind of XCAD. All these yeah. all these businesses or modern-day businesses or enterprises, whatever you want to call them, get the fact that if you want to acquire new customers, if you want to keep them, keep them sticky, you need to be giving them something back for the time that they're giving themselves. And I think that's the important change. And DAOs, again, yeah. you're starting to see that in cities, aren't you? That they're actually starting to look at people are fed up with government and way things potentially work. Things do feel broken. DAOs maybe aren't new in terms of the way they are, but in terms of doing a massive reset and allowing change to happen in a way that is inclusive, I think people are starting to wake up to the the changes that are coming and i think if you want to talk about digital transformation and enabler of that i don't think there's any better technology than blockchain for driving um digital innovation to be honest 100 percent, yeah you know you can even push it further and say that this new economy that we can look at as a reward-based economy right so you're rewarding people for interacting with you for interacting with your ecosystem for interacting with your brand um look at sports at at sports in general prior to um for sorry e-gaming prior to the blockchain integration now right if you look at them there was a massive market happening because there was a reward of you know you shoot someone then you win you feel you 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 gain a kind of like a, a group of people around you whether you're playing world of warcraft or call of duty you're a part of the team and you're being rewarded from being that so the more you reward the more people want to interact and take part in in what you're doing so definitely the the future is very interesting and it's very exciting and you know it is time that people did start to pay attention to how they are positioning themselves within this creator economy and what value they're bringing and what value they're going to give to the person on the receiving end so yeah interesting talk and just given the time we uh, need to wrap it up and i'm sure we have got a lot to discuss about some Later time, and this has been a very interesting discussion uh, from our incredible panel. I personally learned a lot about Zilika and their perspective and their future plans, and I'm sure our audience will agree as well. And there are many other interesting presentations uh, coming from panels across the globe. Uh, today, remaining at uh, LA Blockchain Summit, be sure to check them out as well. And Thank you again, Madam Sandra, for your time and uh, for your thoughts. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ravi. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.